What is up, everybody? This is Adam. Welcome back to Fouled Out. Matt is joining me in just a moment to talk week 11, headlined by bigger games and unfortunately even bigger injuries, including a couple podcast favorites like Joe Burrow and my boy uh, Devin Achan going down again. I got him for two plays in fantasy, and now he's down again, and we don't know if he's going to play next week. So uh, bummer of a week all around, but still some really fun football and a lot of good stuff for me and Matt to talk about. So, uh, But before we kick off the podcast, just a reminder that you can reach out to us, fouledoutsports at gmail.com or at fouledoutsports on Twitter. We got a couple of really good uh, worst fantasy loss stories. We're going to tell one on the podcast today from one of our good friends, Andrew Tay. So keep those stories coming. We like to read those. We'll read the really good ones on the podcast as well. Or just stay in touch with us. Let us know what you like about the show, what you want to hear more of, less of, what's working for you, what's not. We'd love to hear from you guys. And as always, we appreciate you listening. Let's bring in Matt to talk week 11. Let's go. Matt is here. Matt, how you doing, buddy? Uh, better than my fantasy team this this last week. Uh, it was rough. Yeah, mine didn't have a great time either. Uh, I lost Mark Andrews for the season on Thursday night, and I lost Sames. Yeah, and then Joe Burrow uh, went down. I have Jamar Chase, so I had to watch Browning throw passes to my best player for. The rest yeah. of the Thursday. Yeah, not great. I mean, like the team that I had Mandrews on also had Lamar, which like, yeah, he stayed in the game. But like, dude was clearly heavily injured. Yeah, it was not great after that. I also, uh, we had the long awaited return of Devon Achan this weekend. I was so excited. I've been talking about it on the podcast for weeks. Uh, one carry for two yards, one catch for four yards, re-injures the knee, leaves the game. Not great. Apparently was begging the coaches to let him go back in because he's okay, but they want to be cautious with him because he's a small boy. So they, they left him out and they're not committing to whether or not they're going to play him this weekend. Uh, doubly not great. We made a trade this weekend with me thinking I had all of this depth in the flex position and in the running back positions. Uh, so I traded you a running back for Josh Dobbs and Taysom Hill to replace my injured Mark Andrews only to find out that uh Burrow's done for the season. So like that kind of screws chase H hand. We don't know what's going on with him. And then uh, I also have Garrett Wilson, who's now going to be catching the ball from Tim Boyle for the rest of the season, which just when you think it can't get worse, than Zach Wilson. Look, I guarantee you it's not going to be Tim Boyle for the rest of the season. It might be a half. Maybe Sunday. We'll see. game. Like, he's that bad. The funniest part of the weekend was we completed the trade on Saturday, which was the trade deadline. Yeah. I'm watching Broncos Vikings on Sunday, having just acquired Josh Dobbs, and like the first or second play of the game, 
he runs out to the right and Kareem Jackson nearly decapitates him. And I was like, that's it. He's dead. I've cursed him. I honestly, I don't know like if anybody's gotten this podcast to Mike Evans yet, but Mike Evans, pay what you owe. Pay me and I will drop you from my fantasy team because if you don't, this is not going to end well for you, my friend. Yeah, it was a pretty cruel thing of me to do to Josh. We knew that was going to happen. I know what your thought process was like, too, because you're a Lions fan and you're like, yeah, the Vikings probably aren't going to catch us, but I'm going to make sure they don't catch us. (laughs) You should get suspended for four weeks, just like Kareem Jackson. I'm going to do this podcast on my own for four weeks because Matt tried to intentionally injure Josh Dobbs. (laughs) You can't suspend me before a thorough investigation. This isn't the Big Ten. It's not the Big Ten and it's not the NFL. And I guess you're not a repeat offender like Kareem Jackson because uh, that's yeah. tough, man. That's tough. He's out for he just came back from a two game suspension for the yeah. same shit. And now he's out for another four. So he's going to miss like half the season because he's just hitting people with reckless abandon out there. Dude, it's it's a violent game. And anytime you try to make players play differently, there's going to be unintended consequences for that. Everyone likes to forget about like all the defensive linemen who had torn ACLs the year that they like instituted the body weight rule for roughing the passer because like dudes were trying to make like last second moves so that they didn't land on the quarterback. It's a confusing process. Yeah. Uh, But speaking of bad fantasy losses, I wanted to tell this story real quick because I talked to our good friend, Andrew Tay. Uh, over the weekend from the greatest games never played podcast, which very sadly uh, they, they stopped doing the podcast a little while back. That was one of my favorite sports podcast. You know, there are, they're friends of the pod still uh, Alex, if you're listening, I meant to hit him up and talk to him and see if he wants to come on sometime soon, especially with how good the Eagles are doing. So um, we'll get yeah. him on. I talked to Andrew over the weekend, we'll get him on again. But we were talking about bad fantasy losses. This isn't a football story, but Andrew was playing uh, fantasy hockey and told me he lost his playoff game one time because he lost save percentage by point zero zero two. That is absolutely brutal. I uh, I also play fantasy hockey. I'm in a very competitive league with some of my friends that's been going on for like seven or eight years now. And I've been there when you play like a categories thing instead of points and you lose a category by like one hit or like one block, it's bad. But like 0.002 save percentage is like literally one save. Not It's like almost not even, but it's literally one save where like if the shot just isn't taken for the goalie to save it, you win that week. And it was a playoff game. And I was like, that is a particularly brutal fantasy loss. I have to talk about that on the podcast. Yeah. I know. God, so That's so bad. Shout out to those guys. Uh, you can still find Greatest Games Never Played on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen to us. And all of the episodes are evergreen. So you can go back and listen to them. It's not like a, it wasn't a current events pod. Uh, and they talked about just pausing it for a while and coming back and doing it again in the future. I hope they do because I went on there a couple of times. I had a blast. Always one of my favorite ones to listen to. So go back and check that out. Yeah. They were always fun to work with. Yeah. Good guys. 
Anyway, week 11 of the NFL season. I kind of just am like coming off this week feeling sad. Just kind of like meh. Well, I mean, this week is over. Just like Joe Burrow's wrist. I was going to say I started Thursday by watching a man's hand explode for unknown reasons on national television. Podcast favorite, Joey. Not going to get to do that a lot more this season. So yeah, weird weird thing for Joe. He gets off the, like, there's no report of his hand or his wrist being hurt. Yeah. He gets off the bus in a compression wrap, which he says is totally normal. (laughs) (laughs) Like People do it all the time. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Joe, he's got this compression wrap around his wrist and his thumb. And like halfway through the game, he can't grip the football anymore. He tries to throw on the sideline. He can't even hold the football and a hot mic picks him up saying, fuck, it's done. They say it's like a sprained wrist. It ends up being like torn ligaments in his wrist. Yeah. But it like, it literally looked like his hand exploded. Like he got stung by a bee. And that thing swole up to the size of a balloon. It was bad. I have never seen a non-contact wrist injury before. Not once. And I've been watching sports since I was like seven. Like this, it's been a very, very long time. Never once seen that. It's very clear in retrospect that they were hiding a pre-existing wrist injury. I I think that he probably had partially torn ligaments in his wrist. And then just from the motion of throwing and running around and getting hit on Thursday, it finally just snapped all the way. It might've been one of those injuries. Like I'm going to make myself throw up on the air here, but I think it was like RA Dickey, the knuckleball pitcher. There was a pitcher. I think it was him who had a partially torn Achilles and the doctor told him, you know, it's either going to tear all the way or it's not. So you might as well keep pitching. <laughs> and I was like, dude, if I had a partially torn Achilles, I would just lay in my bed uh, praying that I don't have to move the rest of the day so that that thing doesn't tear. But it, it seems like that was the deal that he had a partially torn ligament in his wrist and it just tore through on Thursday. But obviously extremely brutal loss for the Bengals. They're any aspirations they had for the rest of the season are completely done without him. Oh yeah. Joe Burrow is single-handedly the reason why every week people aren't talking about how bad Cincinnati's offensive line is. You're going to hear a lot more of that the rest of the year. Joe Burrow is an excellent athlete and has been able to mitigate a lot of that stuff. But like, when they've gone up against defenses that are like really, really able to capitalize on that, such as Cleveland, it has shown itself to be as big of a problem as it truly is. That in and of itself, like, is going to prevent any sort of like cool storyline of young quarterback coming into his own, showing something creating a career for himself. Like you're not getting a Josh Dobbs type of situation because he's going to be under fire every single play. 
I was thinking about this on Thursday, though, when Browning came in. I actually really liked Browning in college at Washington. Yeah. Like he he was he was good, man. They uh, he led Washington to a college football playoff one year as well. Yeah, um, and I, he was like really accurate passer, but like he's not a. I mean, he's obviously not on Joe Burrow's level. There are very mm-hmm. few quarterbacks who are, but like he's not a NFL starter as much as I do like him. There were definitely some things that he needed to work on when he was coming out. I will say that he looked when he came into the game on Thursday as though he had definitely improved in those areas. I don't think that's going to matter the rest of the year, but I will say that he showed why some people really liked him. And maybe there is something there when he's not playing behind that kind of offensive line. (laughs) So, yeah. So Burrow goes down and then like, as if that wasn't bad enough, Mark Andrews, another podcast favorite, the aforementioned tight end on one of both of our fantasy teams. Really scary ankle injury in the first quarter. It sucked too, because like the first drive, he catches like two like medium length passes, like 10 plus yards. And I'm like, oh yeah, man, good fantasy day. Here we come. Mark Andrews, big game. And then he gets hip tack or this uh, hip drop tackle from Logan Wilson and rolls on his ankle. What what was the official injury? It's like a ankle, like high ankle sprain. Uh, yeah, Something I, pretty I think it was a high early, ankle sprain. But like a pretty bad one. So he's done for the season, maybe. He's definitely done for the fantasy season. They said he might come back if it's a deep playoff run. But it's like, man, the Ravens have probably been the best AFC team through 11 weeks. And now you lose your most important offensive piece outside of Lamar Jackson and you lose the dude who's Lamar Jackson's safety blanket, the, you know, it's, it's tough and something that like could easily derail what's been an awesome season for them. He's the guy that opens up the field more than anyone else for Zay Flowers because like you can't ignore Mark Andrews. Like obviously there's only one Jason there's only one Travis Kelsey, there's certainly only one Jason Kelsey as well. But next in line in the NFL that can kind of do you know the closest to what Travis Kelsey does is Mark Andrews. Now that's gone. So you know, they're certainly going to have to rely on their running game a little bit more. Someone else in that wide receiving core is going to have to step up. I think things just got a lot muddier the AFC. Yeah, one of my favorite things about this season has been that I really felt like the Super Bowl was wide open. Yeah. You know, it's like, especially with the Chiefs, I mean, they're 7-3. and three. But I brought up concerns about them on the podcast uh, a week or so ago. They just like they don't look like the same team they've been the last couple of years. 
And I, I know last year they didn't have Tyreek Hill either, and they still won the Super Bowl, but it just seems like the wide receiver problem has gotten worse this season. Mm-hmm. And that Travis Kelsey, to me, just like doesn't look like the same dude. You know, he's like still the best tight end in the league. I'm not trying to say that like he's washed or anything like that, but just like having watched them the last couple of weeks, he's not the same Travis Kelsey that we've been used to seeing over the last couple of years. And it's really exasperating the wide receiver issue for them. People are kind of overlooking the fact that they at least had Juju last year at wide receiver. And they don't have anyone at wide receiver that's even as good as him. Byron Pringle's gone who you know, yeah. wasn't like a huge part of this offense, but like just him and uh, Demarcus he Robinson. He caught the fucking ball, though. Right. Well, like him and Demarcus <laughs> Robinson is gone too, and it's like guys that Patrick Mahomes had some comfortability with and like yeah. had a rapport with over the last couple seasons. You're replacing them all with like rookies and second year guys and like guys who were draft busts, like Kadarius Tony. Like there was a reason that Do- Tony was a draft yeah. bust, and like. Yeah, they kind of paper mache things together to win the Super Bowl last year, and it's super impressive. But like, yeah, if Kelsey has lost even like one step or even half a step, that is like really going to exasperate your issues. And like, take it from someone who watched a Patriots dynasty that was uh, built around Rob Gronkowski for like the last five or six years of that dynasty, he was the primary weapon. As soon as he lost like even half a step, that offense was like completely different. So, and it, and I think we're starting to see it. Like they lost to Philly on Monday night last night, twenty one seventeen. No yeah. shame in no shame in that. But we've now seen the Chiefs get shut out in the second half of football games three straight weeks to the Broncos, the Dolphins, and now Philly, and they are dead last in second half scoring at 5.3 points per game this season through 10 games. I mean, like dead last. I mean, like behind Mac Jones and the shitty New England offense, behind Bryce Young and Frank Reich, behind everyone. They are dead last in the league in second behind half Matt scoring. Behind Canada. Behind, behind Danny or Danny DeVito, Tommy DeVito, <laughs> and probably Danny DeVito too. But... <laughs> It's su- it, like there's a lot of concerns about them. They look extremely vulnerable right now. But I still think the questions out there of like, okay, but who in the AFC is going to knock them off? To be honest with you up front, like I'm not super confident that anybody can in the AFC at least. Yeah. So like we, we just talked about the Ravens. They've been the best team in the AFC so far this season, but they just lost their most important offensive weapon. And I, I still think it's a fair question to ask if Lamar Jackson can win playoff games consistently. He's one in three in his career, hasn't played a playoff game since 2020. Like, I, I know that Ravens fans are probably like booing me right now or turning off the podcast, but like, it's a fair question if he can consistently win playoff games or not. And it'll be super interesting to see him in a new offense in the playoffs this season. But if you don't have Andrews, like that's just going to make it all that much harder for him. And then you look at the other division leaders, Jacksonville and Miami are both seven and three right now, but 
Yeah. Do, do you trust either of them to take down Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid? I mean, it, it's not even out of the question that uh, Jacksonville doesn't even win their division. I mean, they're seven and three. Yeah. Houston, Houston six and four, and they play yeah. each other this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> and Houston's already stopped them this season. Yeah. If Houston pulls this game out, like they are in the driver's seat. But like Miami still hasn't beaten a good team. They beat the Raiders. Never will. They beat the Raiders 20 to 13 on Sunday. Not exactly confidence inspiring. Their best win of the season is that Denver game, but that was the bad Denver. Yeah. They beat 70 to 20. It's like, I was looking at all these stats this week. This is like side note, but I was looking at most yards allowed per game this season. And Denver is still last because of that game. <laughs> like if you take that game out, they're like almost middle of the pack at this point. Cause they've really bounced back from a bad start to the beginning of the season. But that game is so bad that they're probably going to finish like dead last in yards allowed per game. But that was the bad Denver. You know, they struggled to beat Aiden O'Connell. So they're not exactly inspiring confidence. Every time they play a good team, they lose by double digits. You know, we just talked about the Jags potentially not even winning their division. But like, even if they do, are you super confident in what you've seen from Jacksonville this season? No, not at all. Lawrence looks like he's regressed. Calvin Ridley has not been the addition that everybody thought he would be. You know, I'm going to call what I believe it is. This is the Doug Peterson effect. I was just thinking that you had the salient point when we did our preview for the AFC South that your biggest storyline was, can Doug Peterson have this team take the next step? Yeah. And like they had the super fun season last year that gave Kansas City all they Mm -hmm. could handle in the playoffs. But it's like, okay, now you're not the fun team anymore. Now you're the team with the target on your back. You got to take a step forward. Can you do that? Yeah. It's like, so sounds silly at seven and three, but I've no, watched there, them play. There's, there's so many people who look back at his time in Philly and they say like, okay, well the doubt, you know, the decline there, like, well, Carson once Carson once became bad. Totally give Doug Peterson a pass rather than looking at that situation and saying Carson Wentz was a young quarterback who showed a ton of potential and at one point was playing like the most efficient football of any quarterback in the NFL point blank period with Tom Brady in the NFL and then couldn't get him to continue developing. In fact, had him regress and None of that falls back on a coach. I honestly don't know what Super Bowl will take me longer to get over. 18 and one or the fact that Tom Brady and Bill Belichick lost to Doug Peterson and Nick Foles. (laughs) It's like, that's how bad that is to me. Is that like 18 and one should be like the gold standard for games that make me want to throw up every time I think about them. But we also lost to Doug Peterson and Nick Foles at one point. I don't know which one of those games is worse. It's probably 18 to one still just because of what was on the line. But like, 
Every time I watch Doug Peterson, I'm like, we lost to that guy. This is my thing is you have this young, super talented quarterback that can physically do anything. You have Calvin Ridley, who we know is capable of being a super effective receiver. You have Travis Etienne, who we've seen this year, is an absolute fucking monster when you use him correctly. You can't put together an explosive offense. That's that's not a talent issue. That's that's a coach issue. They're kind of like the same team as Miami, too. It's like, yeah, you beat the Titans 34 to 14, but like Miami or not Miami, the 49ers came into your house and absolutely schmeckledorfed you. Yeah. When they came in, it's like, oh, yeah, you beat the Steelers and the Saints and the Colts, but like the Texans beat you by 20. KC's already beat you this season. Like, you got to see how they play against good teams, especially when we start getting into playoff season. But like, you know, so Miami and Jacksonville, I don't super trust either of them. The wild card teams right now, Cleveland is seven and three, but lost Watson for the season. So like, are we trusting Dorian Thompson Robinson to go to Kansas City and beat them? Like That's Tim or PJ Walker. <laughs> I mean, not unless that defense gets on an absolute heater, which they're fully not impossible. Of. Yeah, not impossible. But you know, you got Houston, who's super fun, awesome story. Yeah. Another big win for Stroud on Sunday. Might take the division lead this Sunday against Jacksonville, but yeah, they're super young. You know, they're not going to get it done in the playoffs. Not this year, maybe in next year or in the future. I mean, we say that, but I, all the other teams in front of them are currently tripping over their dicks. So Maybe that's like, the answer. Like, maybe we're thinking about it too hard. And it's just like, you know what? Houston is good. And Pittsburgh just got rid of Matt Canada. You know, because that was the last team on my list is like, they Steelers finally fired Matt Canada, whose offense has just been horrific in his whole time yeah. there. But like, to be honest, I'm still not fully convinced that it was all his fault. Uh. I, I will say this, though. Matt Canada had what? It, it's got to be, if not past 55 games, close to 55 games as an offensive coordinator. You want to know how many games his offense gained 400 yards or more, which is not a high mark in the NFL? I think it's one. Zero. Oof. Zero. <laughs> like it ain't great. Say 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 what you will about the offensive line talent. Say what you will about Kenny Pickett. Like players have changed. He has not. I mean, yeah, he has. I've watched Kenny Pickett play this season. And it's hard to separate like how much of this is Kenny Pickett and how much is Matt Canada's offense Yeah, with him. And, but man, it's not, it's definitely not the best quarterback tape I've watched this season. No, no. Like 
I'm I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Kenny Pickett has played well because he hasn't. Uh, but I think there's certainly a conversation to be had about like them openly saying these things to the media. I both him and Najee have kind of alluded to the fact that yeah, uh, teams knew what our play calls were going to be. And then we would go into games expecting to see a certain coverage and then they would play something else and we wouldn't change our approach. Yeah. So I'm not vouching for Matt Canada or anything because yeah. he is particularly horrible. All yeah. I'm going to say is like, okay, Canada's gone now. Yeah. You can complain about it all you want, but now you better do something. Yeah. You, you're the you, have to, you, have to, you have to actually play well now. Yeah. Like if, Cause if you go yeah. out there on Sunday, like they play the Bengals on Sunday. If you go out there on Sunday and shit the bed again, and you're the same Kenny Pickett that I've been watching for 10 or 11 weeks now, I'm not going to give you the pass of being like, Oh yeah. His offensive coordinator is Matt Canada. I'm just going to be like, yeah, this guy sucks. And I've yeah. watched it all season. He sucked all season. So excuse time is over. Kenny, this is like the same thing we saw with Mac Jones, the beginning of the season where they're like, we got rid of Patricia. Now we're bringing in a real offensive coordinator, yeah. Bill O'Brien. And you know what? He still sucks. So it's this is Kenny Pickett's time, man. You better pick it up. No pun yeah. intended. I would hope that Mike Tomlin is talking to this other OC and making a real point like, we're getting the ball to our playmakers. You're getting the ball to Najee. You're getting the ball to Pickens. You're getting the ball to Deontay. Other guys can get the ball in between there, but those guys are the focus of our offense. Oh, no. I would be benching Najee. I'd be like, you're getting the ball to Jalen Warren because he's better. He's better than Najee Harris is. I'm not going to tell you that I don't think he's better, but I think they, they distinctly need Najee because what they've the one thing they've actually done well this year is run the ball on first down. And a lot of that comes from like really utilizing that those interior run concepts and like using him as the bigger, sturdier back that he is. There's a reason that a lot of teams are not just using one back. Like you need multiple skill sets and I think Jalen Warren is great. Like they definitely get more explosive plays out of him, but you also like, you need to be in second and five, not second and eight. So we'll see how they do Sunday against the Bengals. It's not like the best defense they're going to see, but they're not a bad defense. And like, I feel stupid saying this, but there's a part of me that trusts the Buffalo bills more than the wildcard teams, at least. And maybe more than like Jacksonville or Miami, just because they have Josh Allen and like on a single game basis, they have the talent to be the best team in the league. And like, I know I just did a whole soliloquy last week about how much they suck and about all the concerns I had about them. But the reason they pissed me off so much is because they are so talented that they should be better than this. Uh, yeah. And you know, they, they certainly looked better against the jets, but so they're back. This is, this is so bills. They beat the shit out of the Jets to get to six and five. Yep. 
And now the media is going to be like, they're back. Ah, oh, this is the Buffalo Bills we expected to see they're all season. Back, baby. <laughs> Their remaining schedule at Philly, at KC, home Dallas, at the Chargers, home for the Pats, at the Dolphins. They are number one in remaining strength of schedule. Can they go three and three in that time? Like three and three gets you to nine and eight. That might not even make the playoffs. You might have to be four and two in that stretch. And it's, I'm having trouble picking out four wins right now for this team and like what we've seen from them this season. So, like the media narrative that they're back, no. Now, if they beat Philly this weekend uh, with a new offensive scheme, then we'll see. But I still have all the same misgivings about the Bills. But, like, yeah, you get Josh Allen to a single-game elimination scenario. We've seen what Josh Allen can do in yeah. that situation before. If their defense can hold up with what <laughs> with what we know Buffalo likes to do, it's actually kind of a good matchup for them because Philly's D has not stopped the pass all year, except for last week in the rain. This is going to be the game where Buffalo's like, we're really committing to the run. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to take these guys out. Yeah. But it's I mean, Buffalo, like... yeah, Buffalo's still Buffalo. And like, I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs, much less be able to beat some of these better teams. The Chargers literally cannot stop charging no it's in their blood they can't. no we're going to talk about them a little bit later today because they just they just charged i got a text from my dad on sunday he's like charger's gonna charge and i'm like ah it's catching on people are using it uh and then the last team on my list the, the denver broncos well on their way to winning nine games this season i would say the march for nine continues denver they ended Dobbs mania over the weekend, winning 21 to 20 to get to five and five. Is there any chance that that nine wins gets them the seventh seed? I, I don't know. I just said with Buffalo that I don't know if nine wins is going to get there, but like it, it's going to be probably like that nine, 10 win mark. Cause that's the thing. If nine wins gets you the seven seed, they kind of have all the tiebreakers. We just talked about how all the AFC contenders are just tripping over their dicks. That's another team that's like, they might just stumble into a fucking run. They already have. So they were one in five. Uh, I'm not going to call it a, a run until they're in the playoffs. Oh, I mean like they're, they've won four games yeah. in a row. Yeah. And Three of those games, they've won by a combined five points. Yeah. You know, the biggest margin of victory they've had in their win streak is their 15-point win over Kansas City. But they, like, beat Vikings by one. They beat Buffalo by two. They beat uh, Green Bay by two. Yeah. They just keep pulling games out of their asses. And I'm like, I've never believed in something as much as I believe in the fact that the Denver Broncos are going to win nine football (laughs) games this season. I've been saying it all. I said it before the season. I've been saying it all year. I don't, I don't know how it's going to happen. It's not going to make any sense. It's just going to happen. And I 
have never believed that as much as I believed it on Sunday night, watching Cortland Sutton catch that game winning touchdown with one minute left. <laughs> I was like, yeah, <laughs> that's not a surprise for me at all. And they're like, all right, Dobbs with a chance to drive down and win the game. Like he's not going to do it. The Denver magic is stronger than the Dobbs magic. We got our answer on Sunday. Watch, watch them come down to week 18 though. Going for that ninth win and tie. (laughs) You know, what's going to be funny is like, if they get that ninth win week 18, we're going to be doing our wild card podcast where we pick all the wild card games. And instead we're going to spend 45 minutes talking about the Denver Broncos winning nine football games. And then we're just going to pick all the six games, like in the last minute of the podcast. We'd be like, Oh yeah. They're like, these are our picks, but Denver, (laughs) they did that shit. So yeah. I mean, I say all this to say the AFC is a mess. The chiefs are vulnerable, but like, I just, I don't know who knocks them off. And like, maybe the easy answer is that like, yeah, Baltimore lost a piece, but they were a really good team and it's a team game and they can still get this done. Or maybe like Mark Andrews comes back and he's like 75%. And that's like good enough for them to knock off a chiefs team that quite frankly, like should probably put me out there at wide receiver. It's interesting because like a few weeks ago, I mean, we would have definitively said like the AFC is definitely the better conference and like they've got more shit figured out. And today we're sitting here and telling you that the AFC is a bunch of messy bitches. Like (laughs) AFC is white girl, white wine wasted right now. And they don't know how they're going to get home. They don't have enough money for an Uber. We're going to find out. No, they they have enough money for an Uber, but they've locked themselves out of their phone because they can't remember their password. Oh, no. Poor AFC. But, I mean, there was seriously a point in time where it was like, okay, the three AFC wild cards might be Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, and, like, Cleveland, who has one of the best defenses in the league. Yeah. And now it's like, I don't know. Rookie quarterback in Stroud unleashed Kenny Pickett and still Cleveland, but led by DTR. <laughs> I feel like Cleveland's just another team that can't have nice things. But like, unlike no, the they're, Vikings, they're not allowed to have nice things after what they did. That's what I was going to say is like the Vikings are like the team where I'm always like, God, the Vikings are just not allowed to have nice things. And neither can Cleveland, but like Cleveland deserves it. Yeah. You know, it's like, this is what you get. This is the ultimate karma and I'm enjoying it, but somehow there's still freaking seven and three. Jim Schwartz is kind of the, the real head coach of that team because the defense is doing all the fucking heavy lifting. Jim Schwartz work in mysterious way. I, I genuinely hope that he gets another like strong look as a head coach seems to have at least learned something since he was the head coach in Detroit. And he's certainly a better candidate right now than Kevin Stefanski. Yeah. As long as it's not on my team, I'm fine with him getting another head coaching job. No more recycling failed head coaches over here. We're done. 
So that's the AFC. Like you alluded to the NFC, who I think has very clear tiers of contenders right now. Yeah. Like tier one, Philly is extremely obvious. They're what, nine and one now? Yeah. They just beat Kansas City in Kansas City on Monday Night Football. And the stats that are coming out about Jalen Hurts are like absolutely ridiculous. 26 and two in his last 28 games. He's now won seven straight games where he was trailing by 10 or more points. There, nobody has a streak of more than four in NFL history, and he's now at seven. <laughs> uh, and his stats when they're down this season have just been ludicrous. Like we we talked about this when we did our midseason awards a couple weeks ago, and we were picking between like Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes, and we're like, okay, well, whoever wins that Monday night football game is going to be the MVP, basically. And his odds have like skyrocketed since last night. Like he's he's very clearly on his way to winning that award at this point. Yeah. So they're up there. That's very obvious. Uh, San Francisco looks like they've bounced back from their lull in a big way. You know, it's amazing what having Trent Williams on your offensive line can do for you. Yep. Um, but yeah, Purdy's had time to throw the last couple of weeks now that Trent Williams is back. And it's just like, yeah, he's right back to playing at an MVP level. Perfect passer rating against the Bucks this past weekend. Over 300 yards, three touchdowns. Dominated Jacksonville the week before that. Like, they look very good again. And, like, even before the season, the NFC just kind of felt like it was going to be a collision course between Philly and the 49ers. Um, which, like, that's the game we're all waiting to see, right, in a couple weeks. Yep. So that would be my Tier 1. My tier two, my like maybe tier is your Detroit Lions. Now eight and two after a pretty sloppy win against the Chicago Bears on Sunday. It's like, yes, they're good and they're taking care of business against all these bad teams. But it's just like I have questions about whether or not they can beat San Francisco or Philly in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I think that is an appropriate question. Um, like the debate that we got into was, you know, like having them in Miami in the same tier. And it's like, yeah, we don't know if Detroit can beat either of those teams in the playoff. My argument was we know Miami can't. So that's fair. Yeah, we yeah. Matt and I had a debate through text yesterday actually the about Detroit because my point was more like yeah they beat the Chiefs week one which is a great win for them but in the last 10 weeks the only good teams they played were Seattle and the Ravens and they lost to both so I'm just mm-hmm. like I'm not saying they're yeah. a bad team because they've done what good teams do they're taking care of business against bad teams yeah. but I just want to see more before I'm like oh yeah okay I'm comfortable with this team against Philly or San Francisco let me ask you this, though, because I was having this conversation with another Lions fan. So you're you're the two seed right now. Yep. Very likely going to end as the two or the three seed. So home playoff game. Yeah, Lions last home playoff game was in 1994 against Green Bay. They lost at home. But I wanted to ask you this because you're going to have a home playoff game. And it's probably going to be against a team 
that you're going to be favored against. It's like looking right now, like it's going to be Seattle or Minnesota. Yep. If you lose that game, is this season still a success for you? Or do you have to win at least one playoff game? If we lose to Minnesota, no, I would not call it a success. (laughs) Seattle is a different story. I think it would definitely depend on how the game goes, how we lose. This team needs to be pushing two one out and get that by. It's entirely possible Philly drops one or two to close out the season. Not a whole lot of teams win one game or lose one game. I I know there are people who have posed the question of like, do you want to like get the two seed not have the buy and play the seventh seed or you know have the one seed have the buy and then play you know whoever and it's like you absolutely want that buy especially if you're Detroit and you've played like eight or nine different offensive line pairings <laughs> This year already, having that extra week to kind of get everyone ready to play and potentially also have that extra week to get CJGJ ready to go too. Like they, they've been missing a lot of guys all year and just kind of making it work. Uh, if they can get everyone back, I feel a lot better about going up against the Blue Bloods than I do with just kind of taking the ragtag group that we've been making do with. So my friend said that this Lions season is a success no matter what. Yeah. My my argument was I think you need to make the second round of the playoffs. You either need to win your home playoff game against one of those wild card teams, or yeah. you need that first round bye to get to the second round. Just because the Lions have like periodically been in this situation. Yeah. Where they make the playoffs and they just haven't been able to get the win. And it reminds me of like Western Michigan when PJ Fleck uh, took us to the Bahama Bowl. We were like eight and four and people were like, oh yeah, we made a bowl game. That's a success. And I was like, no, we need to win. We've never won a bowl game. We need to win a bowl game for it to be successful. And we finally won one. And it was like, oh, thank God. But that's kind of where I'm at with the lions is like, if you get a home game against the Vikings or the Seahawks, I want to see them win that to be like, this is a really successful season. Like if they lose that, I'd be like, this was a good season for them, but I wouldn't necessarily be like, this was like a awesome, successful season. Winning the division is also incredibly important for this team. And so like we win the division and lose another close one to a good Seattle team. I'm not going to like throw out this, the success that it is for this team to actually like step up and claim the division as their own because they care of business. Cause they haven't fucking done it. (laughs) They've had, they've had, had opportunities in past years and just couldn't fucking do it. The one thing I will say too, is that, your schedule is much easier than Philly's. 
Oh yeah. Down the stretch. So and and that's why I think the one seed is actually a very real possibility. The Phillies great. They are they're capable of winning every single fucking game that they play. And I'm just gonna acknowledge that it's statistically unlikely that someone wins 16 games and only loses one game in a regular season. So yeah, but they have the Bills, the 49ers, the Cowboys, and the Seahawks the next four weeks before yeah. wrapping up with two games against the Giants and one against the Cards. So a lot tougher than your guys' schedule, but you guys, uh, the Lions definitely need to play a lot better than they played yeah. on Sunday against the Bears if they want to have hopes of pulling that off. They, they got to play better. They can't. Jared Goff cannot throw three interceptions against that defense. You know, not all of that was entirely on him, but I would like to think that after you throw the first interception against a terrible, terrible team, you would kind of tighten it up a little bit. Hopefully that game is enough of a wake-up call for him and the rest of the offense that, like, no, we... We need to get this shit figured out and clean up our game because that was not okay. Yeah, I'll be really interested to watch your games down the stretch. Your last four are Broncos, Vikings, Cowboys, Vikings, which are all somehow potentially playoff teams (laughs) with the Broncos going to win nine games this season. So (laughs) uh, that'll be fun to watch, but... Yeah, so NFC tiers, just to wrap up, Philly and San Francisco in their own tier at the top as Super Bowl contenders. The Lions are a maybe. Then I have the Vikings and the Seahawks as like, yeah, they're probably going to get knocked out in the first round. Be fun if they make the second. And then I have Dallas. I'm just like, yeah, Dallas is good. They've played good, but it's Dallas, and you're just never going to get me to buy into Dallas. If you gave me like a blind resume and you're like, is this team good? I'd be like, yeah. And you'd be like, ha, it's Dallas. And I'd be like, oh, then no. Because it's just like, you know how it's going to end for them. Painfully. Very painfully. Uh, Even though they're like seemingly in a good spot where they're going to get the NFC South winner. I mean, the eternal answer to the question, is it the Cowboys year? Is always no. Yeah. there's It's never their year. Speaking of like brutal schedules down the stretch, they have the Commanders this week, and then the Seahawks, Eagles, Bills, Dolphins, Lions, and then the Commanders again. Yeah. But and... the funny thing is, it doesn't matter because we know who the playoff teams in the NFC are going to be, and everyone else in that conference is such hot garbage that Dallas might be able to lose all the rest of their games and still make the playoffs. Yeah, like losing out is pretty much the only scenario where they might not make the playoffs, and that's not guaranteed. I, if they lose out, they'll be seven and nine, and it's like, yeah. okay, are the Packers or the Rams going to win nine games? Yeah, I, take them out of that yeah, spot. I, I was going to say the the only team that I think could potentially be a threat in that scenario would be the Rams. Maybe the like, I don't know. And then you have the NFC South winner who just don't talk to me about the NFC South. <laughs> the f- fucking Saints are in first. The Falcons are going back to Ritter this weekend. 
yeah. after their bye and the the Saints and Falcons play this weekend and a game that might decide the division and I just do not give a shit. I'll give a single solitary shit. Falcons, let me down with your damn chode coach. I will say, like, what with what we've seen from Josh Dobbs, like, hey, Atlanta, what the fuck were you doing? <laughs> you were you were remotely interested in that? If Dobbs was on Atlanta and doing what he's doing right now, I would just talk about him every single episode of this podcast. But all right. Bulls and scolds, week eleven of the NFL season. It is your week to go first with your bold. All right. Now we we stated a little bit of skepticism about this player going in the playoffs, but like credit where credit is due. I'm giving my bold to Lamar Jackson. Didn't like statistically do anything like crazy this week on Thursday night, but the dude was clearly very, very hurt on Thursday night. And he didn't just stay in the game. He didn't just, you know, get his team a victory. He was out there running. Like, he was scrambling on passing downs. I have to imagine that there was a conversation on the sideline because they he wasn't just scrambling. They were doing design runs with him still. And... <laughs> And he was just like, yeah, fuck it. Let's do it. That dude is tough as shit. Now, yes, still want to see him, like, string some playoff wins together. But, like, that doesn't take anything away from what I saw on Thursday night. Like, that was incredible. My bold for week 11 is, I think, a, a much lesser known player than Lamar Jackson, but someone who deserves recognition. Uh, it's Cowboys cornerback Deron Bland, second-year player out of Fresno State, was a fifth-round pick. Uh, not this past draft, but the one before. Had two pick sixes on Sunday against the Panthers and has now tied the record for most pick sixes in a single season in NFL history, uh, tying Eric Allen, Jim Kearney, and Ken Houston. So like the and the last time this was done was like 1993 that someone had four pick sixes in a season. Uh, for what it's worth, he's also PFF's number one rated corner, uh, both in defensive rating and in coverage rating this season. So, you know, I know we all feel a certain type of way about PFF, but uh, just a credit to him, like to show that he's been like really good this season. It's not only just like the pick sixes, kind of made a lot of people forget that Trayvon Diggs tore his ACL and has been yeah. out for the whole season because like they haven't missed a step with Bland playing that role. He was out playing him when he was on the field anyways. Like he's been awesome all year. Yeah. Watching him have four pick sixes though kind of makes me wonder if Trayvon Diggs is a system corner. You know, because like the, the big thing on Diggs is all the interceptions that he gets. Yeah. And part of it is because he's super aggressive. But like they've let Deron Bland be aggressive and he's still covered like the back end too, which is something that Diggs has been unable to do throughout his career. So I wonder like if Diggs is in a different defense where they don't let him be as aggressive, like is he considered to be a top player like that? But any way you'd cut it, Deron Bland has been awesome 
this season. And he's, he talked about uh, tying the record and how he wants to beat it and get a fifth down the stretch here. So we'll be keeping an eye on him to see if he can do that. Dan Quinn for all his failures as a head coach. Uh, after uh, that Super Bowl appearance, like the dude is a very, very good defensive coordinator and it's a lot easier to do that job when you've got weapons like Duran Bland on the back end. Yeah. Just like Jim Schwartz, like really good defensive coordinator. Just leave him in the role he's good at and let him yeah. do it. But yeah, it's just cool to see a dude who was a fifth round pick two years ago, become a guy who he's not going to win defensive player of the year. Uh, at least not right now, but like he should be in the conversation. You know, he should probably get some like second and third place votes. Who is your scold for week 11? So my scold for the week is the entire Washington offense. Every single one of them. Not because they were incapable of playing offense. No. Here's the thing. They lost 31 to 19 this week. However, they had 28 first downs to New York's 13. They gained 403 yards, which, mind you, is more yards than a Matt Canada offense has had at any point in his career as an offensive coordinator to New York's 292. Like, they had more passing and more rushing yards. By no means should they have lost this game. They outpossessed the ball. 34-51 to 25-09. But they refused to keep the ball long enough to score fucking points. They lost three fumbles. Uh, Sam Howell threw three interceptions. Two of those were in the second half when he was maybe starting to press a little bit, but regardless, like it's hard enough to win a game when you turn the ball over twice. They turned the ball over twice, three times. Like you cannot do that. New York won the game because they didn't turn the ball over point blank period. Like it. Now I'm not going to praise the Pittsburgh offense for much but like the one thing they've done well this year is not turn the ball over. And when you don't turn the ball over, you have a much better chance of winning the game. Uh, turning it over six times is completely unacceptable. Uh, and I fully expect them to in true Washington fashion, come out and like put up like 38 points next week because they don't make any fucking sense. And they're just pure unbridled chaos. I love this game because I, I did my whole Tommy DeVito thing last week about how bad he is. And I was like, God, they the Giants really might get the first pick because they're just not going to win another game this season. And Washington said, not so fast. Hold my beer. Here's six turnovers. Uh, and they got the win. And they're three and eight now. Patriots are two and eight. So they've passed us and we play them this weekend. So like we have a chance to like block them out of getting the top pick. If we lose to them, which shouldn't be that hard because with their 31 points on Sunday, 
they passed us in points four for the season, points scored, and we are now dead last in the entire league in points scored. We can do it. God. We can do it, Mac. You can lose this game. I believe in you. This is like this was the first week where I was like, we really might get either Caleb Williams or Marvin Harrison Jr. Watching Tommy DeVito put up 31 points on the commanders. I was like, this is this really might be it. If you got the second pick, would you take Marvin Harrison Jr. over Drake May? Uh, I would be fine taking Marvin Harrison Jr. if we had the first pick. It's not my preference. I would rather have Caleb Williams or Drake May, I think, but I'm not going to be pissed if we draft a generational wide receiver prospect. Like, is I heard this the other day. It's like, worst case, he's A.J. Brown. <laughs> like, oh, shit. I don't know. I don't think that's necessarily true, but I heard someone say that the other day, and I was like, oh, God. I'm, I'm not going to mind having him. It's tough because, like, I've seen both situations with my team. It's like, all right, you take the generational wide receiver. All right, well, you don't win anything because you don't have a quarterback. And then you get the quarterback, but like you don't actually like really build the team around them. I I see the need to just take the best player, but I also feel like if you don't get your quarterback then you're not really going anywhere. And the wide receiver might just keep you out of contention for getting your quarterback in the future. So, yeah, I just, I look at it and I'm like, okay, it's kind of twofold. One, I think as long as we get a top three pick and we get one of those three guys, I'll be fine. I'm not going to come on the podcast the day after the draft and be like, ah, I can't believe we took Marvin Harrison Jr. Two, in the recent history in the draft, the quarterback who's taken number one overall is like very seldom the guy who ends up being the best quarterback in that draft. So like, I don't think we necessarily have to have the first pick either in this draft or in a future draft to get the best guy. Like I really yeah. like Caleb, but it's not out of the realm of possibility that Drake ends up being a better NFL yeah. quarterback than him. So I, yeah. I wouldn't mind getting any of those three guys. I, my nightmare scenario is that Bill Belichick gets a top three pick and drafts Joe Alt. And I have to watch Caleb Williams, Drake May, and Marvin Harrison Jr. ball out for the rest of their careers while we have Joe Alt, who, like, sure, he could be a good left tackle, but he's not one of these other guys, and he's not going to be as fun to watch as those other three dudes are. So that's my nightmare. It'll probably happen. Or we'll trade down for, like, 24 seventh-round picks and draft a bunch <laughs> of lacrosse players out of Navy. So... All right, my scold for week 11 is the Los Angeles Chargers. More specifically, the entire team outside of Justin Herbert. Are you including Keenan Allen in that group, though? Mm, okay, the whole team outside of Herbert and Allen. I was going to say, because Allen's been racking up yards. He's been awesome. But like, I know the Chargers are going to charge. We coined that phrase like what 10 years ago, 12 years ago at this point, we invented yeah, that phrase at a time. It's never been more true than it is now. I'll just, you know what I'll say? It's never been more true than it is every single year. Yep. It's the most true statement that's ever been said. And they did it again. Sunday, they lose 23 to 20 against green Bay. 
I've decided that Justin Herbert is basically the NFL's version of Caleb Williams in the season he's had at USC where like, you know, he plays absolutely amazing against the lions. Yeah. But his defense gives up 41. He played well Sunday goes 21 of 36 for two sixty and two touchdowns runs for 73 yards. No turnovers. The defense gives up 322 yards and two touchdowns to Jordan love. The Packers leading rusher on Sunday was Jaden Reed. The wide receiver, the bar for Justin, like the bar for what Justin Herbert has to do to win an NFL football game is so much higher than any other elite quarterback in the league right now that it blows my mind. I honestly, like, I don't know what kind of insane stats this dude has to put up to consistently win football games at this point. But like this team doesn't do anything well outside of Justin Herbert throwing the ball. Eckler Eckler's like washed at this point. He's not the same dude. Yeah. Their defense is second to last in the entire NFL in yards per game. And if Denver hadn't had that horrific game against Miami, they would be dead last. Yeah. And I just like I feel bad for Herbert, man. I'm just like, man, you just gotta be on the Chargers. And if there was a way for the Patriots to draft Marvin Harrison Jr. and somehow acquire Justin Herbert, I think that's the dream. It's like MHJ, Herbert, Ben Johnson, Nick Casario. Let's roll. We're a Super Bowl contender again. And that's where my season's at, Matt, is that I now just sit around and pretend about the fantasy teams that the Patriots could have moving forward. I'm not grounded in realism at all anymore. It did not take you very long to get where I spent decades. <laughs> Took about 10 weeks, Matt. Just decades. Decades of that. Yeah. It's bad, man. Watching Mac Jones is like the seasons that you had to spend watching the Lions when you didn't have Matt Stafford. Yeah. Like it, it's, it's that bad. It's like Dan Orlovsky... You know, who else who else played quarterback it, for you guys? Uh John Kitna. John um, Kitna was actually like somewhat decent on the Lions at some points though. John Kitna was like entertaining <laughs> and like he had a certain level of confidence, but we were also bad enough that he was like straight up just hero balling all of the fucking yeah, time. Yeah, that that's like the story of John Kitna. It's like hero ball on bad teams and being replaced by Carson Palmer. Yeah. That is it for us. As always, Fouled Out can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Overcast, anywhere you get your podcast. You can hit us up on Twitter at Fouled Out Sports. You can find Matt on Twitter at Matador underscore defense. And you can find our videos on TikTok at Fouled Out Sports Podcast. It's a long name, but you can't miss it. College football rankings just dropped. Uh, Georgia number one, Ohio State number two, Michigan three, and Washington overtakes Florida State for number four after Florida State's quarterback, Jordan Travis, suffers a leg injury that if you haven't seen the picture, don't. don't. (laughs) Yeah, it is particularly brutal. The bottom half of his leg was going the wrong direction on Saturday. Not great. This weekend, Thanksgiving football on Thursday. Uh, Not very many good games, but there are games. Uh, There is a Friday Amazon game at 3 p.m., the Dolphins and the Jets for some reason. Uh, Oregon plays Oregon State in the Civil War. 
uh, on Friday night. And then Saturday, 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 the game of the year in college football. Uh, and my friend, we're going to be watching this together. Yes. I'm assuming you're going to come over in time for that because you guys are coming over Saturday. Yep. Noon, Saturday, number two, Ohio State at number three, Michigan. I read today that the tickets for that game are going at an average of $623 a pop. The third highest average ticket sale in Michigan this year, only behind the two Taylor Swift concerts. That's not a joke. Uh, so that sounds right. <laughs> huge game. Going to decide not only who goes to the Big Ten championship, but very likely who goes to the playoffs from the Big Ten. Uh, so that'll be fun. I'm looking forward to watching that with you this weekend and hanging out with you guys on Saturday. We will see you guys next week, coming back uh, Wednesday next week to talk about week 12 of the NFL season. The Tank Bowl is this weekend. We got the Patriots and the Giants. You got Bills and Eagles, all sorts of fun stuff. The Ravens go to the Chargers. So we get to watch the Chargers charge again on Sunday night. And we get to watch Denver take one step closer to their destiny of winning nine games because they, they have Cleveland coming to town and they've opened as two and a half point favorites over seven and three Cleveland. Side note, don't bet on the Broncos because I bet on them to cover this week one and a half and they won by one. <laughs> Stay away. They're favored by two and a half. They're going to win by two. But all right, my friend, I will see you this weekend. Yep. Yep. Bye, guys. All right. Bye, guys. Bye, Bye Robert. Robert.